Welcome to the Abundant Life Podcast. This is Pastor Derry. Saying yes to God in what seems like insignificant moments opens the door to future blessing. When we learn to say yes when no one else is watching, we find that God blesses us openly before others. Today, we continue our series titled Say Yes with a message called Kairos Moments. Listen in, take notes, and I'll be with you at the end of the podcast. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this day. This is a day that you made, and so we rejoice. We are just glad to be here today. We thank you for our brothers and sisters in Christ, Lord, in this room and throughout the world, Lord. We thank you that by the blood of Jesus, we have banded together with an elite group of people who share the DNA of God. We thank you that because we share that DNA, we're able to operate and see you move in us exceedingly and abundantly above all that we can ask or think about according to the power that works on the inside of us, which is your Holy Spirit. We thank you that as we right now tap into the Spirit of God, Lord, we ask that right now you would grant to every person in this room to take common information, things that they already know, and bless them with supernatural revelation today. Lord, let the words out of my mouth not be the words of me, but let them hear have an ear to hear what the Spirit is saying to them, the revelation that the Holy Spirit is pouring out upon us right now. Lord, as we receive it, Lord, let us receive it in a spirit of faith, ready to apply it to our own lives, Lord, that we might see you manifest the power of God and the will of God in our lives. And we thank you, Lord, as we do, Lord, that you have equipped us and strengthened us and given us a love and a compassion for people that we might find faithful people to impart these things to, that they may teach others also. We thank you that as we do this, the world will be changed and the world will be transformed into the garden that you desire it to be. So we thank you, Father. We thank you that all that's required for these things is that we say yes. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Say yes. One more time. Say yes. There we go. That's what I like to hear. I'm going to read our foundation scripture. It says... For the promises of God in him, this is 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. For the promises of God in him are yes, and in him, amen, to the glory of God through us. Now. Tell your neighbor, say now. 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 He who establishes you with us in Christ and has anointed us is God. And also has sealed us and given us the Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. Amen? Amen. Guarantee of what? Guarantee that all the promises of God are yes and amen in Him. Amen? Amen. Listen, we're going to talk today about what we will refer to as kairos, or the moment. Tell your neighbor, say, now is the moment. Amen. Now is the moment. Amen. So the Bible records two things as the word time in the New Testament. Two words that are Greek words that are translated as the word time in English. The first is the word chronos, which means time as we understand the general terminology of time. There is a time. Chronos. We keep time. We're watching time. Time is ticking. That is chronos time, right? The second word is kairos, which is not time in the sense of time is moving, but it's a moment. The difference between chronos 
and Kairos is Kairos is pointing to a specific point. So if we had a timeline, an eternal timeline, we know eternity gone past us is one side, eternity to come is on the other side, and we sit in Kairos. So there's what happened in the past, and there's what's going to happen in the future, but right now, this moment is Kairos. Amen? So I'm going to buy another house. That's Kronos. That's going to happen sometime. It's on a timeline out there somewhere. I used to live in another place. That's where I used to live. That's Kronos. That's a time that happened. But I live right now in Kairos. Amen? So tell your neighbor, say, right now is your moment. Hallelujah. So you guys all know, thank God for being back. I'm glad to be back from Atlanta. Uh, I got a chance to visit Atlanta, and I had a series of Kairos moments in Atlanta. Amen? So we say Kairos moments because now is always now, but there are moments that happen that are different kind of moments. Amen? There are moments that are changing moments. There are moments when you make decisions on the spot, and those decisions go left or right. It marks a moment. It marks a, marks a thing that happens. It marks a, situ, marks a situation that's going on. And so when you're in those moments, there are decisions that you make that set the course of other things. Amen? And so I had a couple of moments when I was in Atlanta. And one of those moments was and you guys know I have multiple people I refer to as dad. My dad, who I was visiting, he took me to this place and these guys were all sitting at a table. And they're all having conversations. And so he, he refers to this as just a group. He, well, I'm going to tell you what he calls it. But anyway, he, 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 this group of people get together on a regular basis and they have no particular agenda. They just come to talk about issues. And so I got to the table, and the first thing, as soon as I sit down, one of the gentlemen challenged me with, what do you think about 45? Yeah, here we go, yeah. And so my answer was, I pray for 45 on a regular basis. And I believe that God can touch 45 to bring his will to pass. That was my answer. He didn't like my answer. <laughs> I can't support anybody who's da 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 da. So he went down the list, which is not uncommon in this season. Amen? How can you support? I said, you don't understand what support is. I said, I don't agree with wrong no matter who does it. If my mama do wrong, it's wrong. Wrong is wrong. And I will call it wrong. Amen? However, that doesn't change the fact that I live in the U.S. of A. And there's a person who's in charge of the U.S. of A. And their decisions impact me whether I like them or don't like them. Therefore, I need to support them and pray for them so that it is well for me. If nothing else but being selfish, you need to pray for your president. <laughs> Amen. Amen. If you are selfish and you just want a good life, you need to pray that your president be blessed with supernatural wisdom so that you can live a quiet and peaceable life. <laughs> Amen? And if you don't believe me, read the book of Timothy. <laughs> Amen. But in this moment where I'm being asked questions, 
My answers are being listened to by the other people sitting at the table. And so as I'm having this conversation, I'm standing in my position. I'm standing in my position. What they don't know about me is they don't know I'm a pastor. So later on, the conversation comes up. Uh, what do you do for a living? Uh, well, for a living, I work a job. <laughs> but I'm also a pastor. Amen? So the conversation comes up. So then one of the people sitting at the table says, well, since you're a pastor, I'm glad to hear your first answer. Because if you said you were a pastor and you had said something else, I would not consider you to be a pastor. So in the moment I'm making an answer that I don't know someone else is listening to, and that moment is actually opening the door for something else. Because this person listening to me now is open, but the door didn't open when I got to them. The door opened in the moment. Something was happening. Amen. Sometimes Kairos moments look like insignificant moments, but they're actually moments that are decisions are being made. Amen. And you don't really you don't always know decisions are being made. It's how you respond in the moment to things you don't like and things you don't want to hear. Things that you don't agree with. When you answer, you got to answer by the word of God and not your emotions, because your emotions will get you caught up and they will close other doors. Amen. So God says you got to say yes to God in the Kairos moment. And sometimes Kairos moments don't look like important moments. And that's what we ought to be worried about. Sometimes the most insignificant moments are connected to significant moments that you don't realize what they are. I told you guys a story before. I was at work feeling good about my new job. I get my six-month evaluation, and when I get in there, both my boss and the HR director in the room, and I said, this is not good. <laughs> the HR director should not be in my six-month performance evaluation. I know that much, and that's not a good thing. <laughs> and the HR, the, my boss gives me my evaluation and says, you're doing great. But I keep, out of the corner of my eye, I keep watching that HR director. <laughs> and she says, yes, we all appreciate you here, but we have a little problem. And the problem is that we've been overpaying you for the last six months. I said, what? <laughs> and so she had a piece of paper, she slid it across the table, and she said, this is how much money you owe us. I said, man, this is a new job. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I'm celebrating the increase. Are you trying to say I got to give, give it back? Are you serious? She slid it across the table. I got it, and I started laughing. She said, is everything okay? I said, I just sat there. Because one of those things where this is a moment. And what comes out of my mouth next is probably going to make a decision. Now, I wasn't conscious of that now. I wasn't conscious of that at the time, but I knew I needed to say the right thing in the moment. And I said, well, I'll tell you what. Uh, and, and that's what else. It had the amount, and then it also had on there three payment plans. You can write us a check for the lump sum. You can pay us over the next three months, or you can pay us over the next six months. And I was like, man, I, I got... 
I got two little kids uh, under two years old. I can't pay you none of this no time. <laughs> that money's gone, man. Are you serious? <laughs> man, when them kids were small, I, had no, I ain't got no savings account. I ain't got, I'm, spending, I'm spending as fast as it's coming in. And look, and looking, is there more in the jar, right? <laughs> pay it back. <laughs> but the, I don't say nothing. I just sat there. And I was smiling. She said, you're smiling. Are you, what are you thinking about? I said, uh. <laughs> and this, so I didn't say anything. So she said, well, you don't have to answer us now. Don't answer us now. We'll talk to you on Friday. So I came home, and I told Tammy what happened. And we both was just silent, like. <laughs> and then, and then because I didn't respond in the moment, I got myself away and the Holy Spirit could talk to me separate from my emotions. And I sat there and I wrote a letter. I wrote a letter to them. I said, well, here's my justification why I believe you're paying me the right amount. And I wrote them a letter and I went to work. I put it in the inner office mail the next day. Friday, she didn't call me. I never heard from her again. I never heard from her again. Now that sounds like a blessing, right? That wasn't the blessing. I thought it was the blessing. A year later, no, like a year and a half, a year and a half later, my boss comes in and says, hey, look, uh, my boss is going to retire, and so I believe I'm going to leave. I'm like, oh, okay. So, she said, you should apply for my boss's job. I said, hmm, okay. Jump the level, but okay. So then I'm sitting there, and uh, we have a staff meeting that week, and my boss's boss says, uh, listen, I've decided I'm going to retire. And then the Holy Spirit said, that's the job you're going to go for. So I'm going to go for my boss's 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 job. When they were telling me I was getting paid too much, for the job I had. <laughs> amen. Tell your neighbor, say amen. amen. Kairos moment. Tell your neighbor, say now's the time. Kairos moment. Kairos moment. Say it again. Kairos moment. Divine appointments. Here's what happened. I put an application in and I got an interview, and I was shocked. I was totally shocked. I went to the interview, and I was interviewing with the, the executive director of the organization. He said, you know what? So you're Derry Moten. I said, yeah. He said, I've been wondering for a year and a half who Derry Moten was. He said, because I got a letter. <laughs> About a year and a half ago, I got a letter. And the letter, apparently, you were getting paid less than you thought you were worth. He said, when I read the letter, I thought to myself, that's somebody I want to talk to. So see, the moment a year and a half before that seemed like I should have a reaction and fight for myself, when I didn't fight, but I did what God told me to do, then what happened, that opened a door that a year and a half later would allow me to go to somewhere I should not be able to go. Why? Why? Because the moment 
had already made a decision. See, we think that when we get to the place that that's the place. No, you get to the place because of the moments before the place. You don't get to your blessing until the moments behind you are the moments that actually made the doorway for you to go through in the blessing when you think, oh, I just got blessed. No, you got blessed back there when you made a decision for God. Amen. When you make a decision to follow God in what seems like insignificant moments, that's the moment that opens the door when everybody else sees you and say, oh, who who did you kiss for that? I kissed the Lord about about a year and a half ago. I kissed the word of God about a year and a half ago, and that's what got me where I am. Amen. <laughs> Tell your neighbor, say, don't miss the moment. Hallelujah. Insignificant moments are the moments that God uses the most to bless you, because then when you get into public, God, who sees you in secret, will reward you openly before people. Amen. That's how he works. He works in the secret places. That's why he said, in the secret place of the Most High, what? That's where you're going to dwell. You got to live in the secret places with God, and when you get out in the open, people don't understand why you're blessed the way you're blessed. Why you can do the things you can do. Why you can have the things you can have. It's not because you get them then. It's because you got them in the moment. When you get things in the moment, when the moment, in the moment, when there's nobody else there but you and God, when you make decisions in those moments, when the decision is made, not it's thought about, when the decision is made, is when the doors are open for blessing. Amen. Amen. Come on. Let's go. Ephesians chapter 5. Praise the Lord. Ephesians chapter 5. Are you ready to be blessed? Amen. We're going to begin at verse 17. Ephesians 5, verse 17. Then we're going to go back and read some more. But I want you to think about this as you hear this. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 17. It says, therefore, actually, let's look at verse 16. 16 is what I want. Ephesians 5 and 16. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Can we agree that we live in some evil days? (laughs) See, when we live in evil days, we can't be wasting time. When we live in evil days, we need to redeem the time. And to redeem, we know the word redeem means to buy back. In other words, you have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. What that means, it means that you were cursed to sin, but Jesus bought you back with his blood. Amen? You've been paid for. Amen? Amen. I've been doing these genealogy studies, and I read where one of my ancestors lived, uh, and I found the uh, document that is the slave owner willing his slaves to his three sons. Abraham, Jesse, Mark, they go to you. Sally and her children and this guy, they go to you. And you get this one, this one, and yellow George. I'm quoting directly from the sheet. 
They divvied up. Why? They were bought. And the owner has a right to pass them whoever he chooses. Now, we don't like that because that's part of our history, a painful part of our history. However, it is also a lesson of understanding who owned you has the right to do with you as they choose. Amen. Amen. So whoever owns you has the right to do as you choose. And your ownership is revealed in whether you or do or do not have the ability to make decisions for yourself. (laughs) Amen. Come on. Come on. When my kids was little, they didn't have rights to make decisions for themselves. I made the decisions for them. Amen. Amen. Why? Because I own them. (laughs) Amen. So my question, do you have rights to make your own decisions? Say la. <laughs> Amen. See, redeeming the time means we buy back what's already passed. <laughs> See, you, don't, you can't redeem time that haven't been spent yet. You got to redeem what's already passed. Amen. That means if you got a bad history, under dominion by something or someone else, you can redeem that time. Oh man, I hope you all get what I'm telling you. Because see, I was a slave of sin and I lived under a sinful ruler and I got saved and and I bought my time back. (laughs) Hey man, come on. I was a sinner. I got saved under the blood of Jesus. I got my life back and my new master says, I will buy your time back as well. In other words, the mistakes and the problems you think you made that you can't overcome, I'll buy that time back and you can fix it right now in the moment. You think you made a mistake and you lost time. You didn't lose time because time can be redeemed. (laughs) Come on now. Come on. Come on. I lived under a curse and my fathers, fathers, fathers all lived under it. Neither my great-great-grandfather, my great-grandfather, my grandfather, or my father lived in the house with their father. None of them. (laughs) But God said, you know what, son? You can redeem the time. You can redeem the time. He said, what I'm going to let you do, I'm going to let you redeem the time, and you'll get back the time you didn't get with your father, I'll give you new time and I'll give you time with your son because I'll break the curse. I'll redeem the time because the days are evil. The days are evil. What's the days evil? Somebody did this. Somebody did that. Somebody did that. It passed down generation to generation and he finds me in my space. He says, look, you're redeemed so you can redeem the time. But you got to take one moment where you make a decision and you say the time is redeemed because the word says it is. Redeem the time because the days are evil. Yes, evil. Yes, you've probably been wrong. The things have happened to you. Things have been not the way you should be. But settle down and say, thank you, Father. I can redeem this time. I can get back the time that was lost. I can get back the time that was stolen. And guess what? If a thief be found, he got to repay sevenfold. Come on. So you're going to get your time back and whatever else God needs to put with it to increase and replace what the enemy stole. Amen. Come on. Don't settle for what the enemy wants to hand you. Redeem the time. 
The word time here is not the word chronos. The word time here is kairos. Redeem the moment because the days are evil. Amen. Redeem the moments. Have redemptive moments in your life. Every day you need to have redemptive moments in your life. Somebody robbed you. The enemy robbed you of relationships. Take them back in this moment, right now, in this moment. Make a decision. It's restored right now in Jesus' name. Come on, I claim it right now. And the decision you make today, when you get down the road and the opportunity comes, your mind will already be ready to deal with it because you already made the decision. <laughs> in the moment past, in the moment past when you made the decision, then when it's time for it to manifest, bam, I'm ready for it. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Holy Spirit told me one day, he said, every day when you wake up, forgive everybody of everything. Let everything go. Start afresh. Start anew. And every day I do that, then when I get into bad situations that come at me, I'm already ready because I already forgave you. Amen? Amen. The moments I don't do that is when you get on my everlasting last nerve and I need to get rid of you. Right. Right. Amen? Amen? But when I do what God says and I redeem the time in the moment, then when I step into the future, it's already redeemed. <laughs> Amen. It's already redeemed. Why? Because you can't mess my day. Nobody has the power to mess my day up. You can do stuff I don't like, but you ain't going to mess up my day. You know why? Because I already said, this is a day the Lord has made. I'm going to rejoice and be glad. And I made the decision when I woke up this morning that this is the day. This is the day. This is my day. You can't mess it up because you don't have the power to mess it up. That's why when Jesus was sitting in front of Pilate, he said, don't you care? I can take your life. Jesus said, you can't take my life. I'm laying it down. In other words, I already made a decision. You ain't doing nothing. Well. <laughs> I already made a decision. I'm going to the cross. You're not taking my life. <laughs> this decision was already made. You just happen to be in the midst of the playing out of what I already know. <laughs> Amen. He said, you don't have the power. You don't take my life. I laid it down already. Woo, hallelujah. <laughs> Come on. Come on. Is it hot in here or is this a good word? Amen. Come on. <laughs> hallelujah. <laughs> How do you take advantage of a Kairos moment? <laughs> All right. But let's go 2 Corinthians chapter 6. 2 Corinthians. Keep your finger in Ephesians 5 because we're going to come back. But go to 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 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 6. Praise the Lord. Tell your neighbor, say, this is a good moment. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Second Corinthians chapter six, verse two says, for he says in an acceptable time, I have heard you. I want you to understand. Look what he says. In an acceptable time, I have heard you. Now, I want you to think about this in terms of your old English class that you took back in the days. And we have what we call tenses. Tenses indicate the timing of something. Amen? So when I say I is, it means that it's currently, even though that's bad English. Amen? When I say I was, it means it's in the past, right? So we have here, I have heard you it's when in the past <laughs> why have 
is possessive. It means I have it now. It speaks to now. But heard is in the past. Amen. It means right now I already heard you. <laughs> Amen. Right now for he, he being who? God says <laughs> in an acceptable time. I have already heard you. In other words, when the acceptable time comes, I already heard before. <laughs> Now's the acceptable time, but I already heard you before. Amen? Yes. Come on. I mean, come on. Now's the time, but I heard you before. <laughs> In other words, your now is based on your then. <laughs> your now is based on your then. <laughs> amen. Amen. And in the day of salvation, here it is again, I have helped you. <laughs> again, in the day that's present, I have in the past already helped you. <laughs> Amen. In other words, you don't have a circumstance coming at you that God hasn't already helped you with. There's nothing in your future God has not already helped you to overcome. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Now is the time. Tell your neighbor, say, now is the time. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of salvation. What is the day of salvation? The day of salvation is when God blesses you with all of his good treasure. That's why we read, the first passage we read was, all the promises of God are yes in him, and in him they are amen. Why? Because all the promises he made, they're already done. But if it's already done, why am I experiencing the things that I'm experiencing? Because it hasn't manifested yet. There's a difference in it being done and it being manifested. Amen? Guess what? The cake is already made, but it's in the oven. You ain't making the cake in the oven. It's baking in the oven. You made it on the counter. <laughs> Amen. Come on. The cake was made on the counter with the mixer and the spoon. Then it was made, but it was baked and it's not ready for manifestation yet. And you can open the oven if you like, but it ain't ready yet. Amen? All you're going to get is fog on your glasses. Amen. Yeah, that's all you're going to get because it ain't ready. Amen. <laughs> and for y'all all who don't wear glasses, you're just going to get heat on your face. <laughs> Amen. In the day of salvation, I have helped you. Behold. In other words, look. Now's the day. Now is the day. See, faith is the substance of things you hope for, and it's the evidence of things you cannot yet see. And a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the fact that you can't say until you see. Right? You can't say what you can't see. Because if you have a word in your mind, that word draws a picture which you see inside your mind which allows you to say something. 
But if you don't have a picture, you can't say anything. I used to have this recurring dream when I was a child, and it was nothing that I had a picture of. So I can't tell you what it was because I can't relate it to anything I've seen before. So I can't describe it. I can't tell you what it is. I can't explain it because I don't have a picture of it in my head. I don't have anything to contrast it to you, which, in which I can say it to you and you would say, I see. Because you can't see or can't say something until you see it. So he's trying to get us to understand is, behold, now is a time for you to embrace what God is showing you, which is why I had to do it in the past so you'd have something to reach to and grab so you can pull the past into the future. So when David is fighting Goliath and Goliath is standing in the valley chastising the armies of God, standing on the hillside before him, when David looks at him, he says, he will be like the lion and the bear that I fought back here. So when I decided that I could beat a lion and a bear back here, I can now look into the future and say, you just like that. Because God's already helped me. So I'm ready for what's in front of me. <laughs> That's why it is so important that in our praise and our worship that we give thanks to God. We're thanking him for what he's already done because then we can see that he's helped us so we're ready to go forward. There's nothing in front of me I can't overcome because I keep looking behind me and seeing what God's already done. Amen? Amen. Amen. Come on. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm trying to set you up for victory in 2019. Amen? Amen. Come on. Go to Ephesians 5. Let's go back there. Ephesians 5. Let's begin at the beginning of this, and hopefully this will help you tie up your year for next year because all of us start the year wanting great stuff. Amen? But you can't get great stuff until you can figure out the great stuff you already got. <laughs> your great stuff will be unattainable until you can recognize you already got great stuff. <laughs> Amen. Ephesians 5, verse 1. I want you to, to, to hold yourself tight. Because I'm going to make you think about some things you haven't thought about in these terms. Amen? Ephesians chapter 5. Now remember, in verse 16, we were told to redeem the time because the days are evil, right? So, let's start the process. Therefore, be followers of God as dear children. Tell your neighbor, say, follow God, not people. Me and Tammy were talking about, and we were talking about situations in which two people get along and you add a third person to the environment and all of a sudden nobody gets along. How, how does that happen? Two people get along and you add a third person, all of a sudden the two people who got along don't get along and neither do the other people get along. How come nobody can get along? How come? It's called influence. It's called influence. And you take the two people who don't get along and you take, the, you take one of the two who got along, you take them out and you put the third person in the first person spot and those two get along. And you take the second person out and bring the first person back, those two get along. 
But when you put the third people, all three of them together, now they don't get along. How's, how can it be that everybody gets along unless we're together? <laughs> how does that work? <laughs> it works because of called self-interest. Because when I have one-to-one relationship with you, we can agree to self-interest. But when we have a third person, now it's two people that I have to have interest for. And now I, I, we struggle with our interests. And so our interests end up colliding, and now we can't get along. But God says, look, stop being like you. Be like me. <laughs> be imitators of God like dear children. In other words, like children look up to their parents, I need you to look to me for the answers. Be imitators of God. Imitate me. Don't do what you like to do. Imitate me. Verse 2. How do you imitate me? Walk in love. As Christ has also loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sweet-smelling sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. Woo-wee. Hallelujah. Now, my oil pusher here, <laughs> sitting in the front here, uh, my oil pusher has this oil that is mixed oil, and I, man, I love the smell of it, right? And so it's this kind of spicy, Christmassy, minty kind of, I don't know, spearmints, I don't know what it's, I don't know what it is. It's, it's, like, a, it's like nose crack, right? It's like, whoo, man, I got it, I got it. I got to smell it. And so I put, I got it in my little, this little, uh, Tammy's got this little diffuser. It's a big, it's actually a big diffuser that's sitting next to the couch. And she got my scent in there. And so I can sit there. <sighs> I sit there just smelling in, right? Sweet smelling aroma. And I can, man, I get to sit there. I can take a nap and I wake up and that aroma's still there. It's like, oh, that's beautiful. I love it, man. There's nothing like it. Or you walk into the house, you step into the house and somebody's been baking something that you like and you smell that aroma. You go, ooh, man, are those peanut butter cookies? (laughs) Amen. That aroma. We had this house. We, we were actually, we were going to look at this house, and we walked to, the, we walked to, the, uh, to the, the, the porch, and I smelled this smell. I never smelled before. I said, what is that smell? Man, that smell is great. It's, this is, man, this, man. We went in the house, looked around. I'm not even looking around the house anymore. I'm still trying to get back out on the porch and smell that smell again. It was this flower that everybody can't smell called the freesia. And, it's, and this freesia puts out this very fragrant smell, and everybody can't smell it. Some people walk past it, they can't smell it. I can smell it. It smells good. And I, so that was 24 years ago. I can still imagine the fragrance. Peanut butter cookies. I remember when I was a child, I smelled that smell, and I, I can still smell it. Certain fragrances, when you have them, they build this whole feeling. It's your nose, for goodness sake. But it makes your whole, just makes you feel good, right? God said that's what love is like. Walk in love as Christ has also loved us and giving himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. 
The redemption of Christ brings a sweet-smelling aroma to God. So when we imitate God and walk in love, we create that same aroma before the presence of God. We bring that pleasure to God when God sees us walk the love walk. Amen? The love walk is your biggest tool to help you move in Kairos moments. If you can let the love walk guide you, then in the Kairos moment, you will fulfill what God desires. Amen? You'll be able to fulfill God's desires if you can imitate God as dear children and walk in love. Then what happens is that sweet-smelling aroma comes up before the Lord. Amen? Amen. Amen. That's what kind of little kid I used to be. Amen. Praise the Lord. Verse 3. And this is where I need you to stretch your thinking. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for saints. Now, the first thing we do when we read this, we say, oh, sinner. But what the word teaches us is that fornication is a sin against one's own body. We think about what it does to other people, but it's actually what it does to ourselves that becomes the problem. Why is that important? Look at the things he lays out. He says, fornication, all uncleanness, or what? Covetousness. And the last one, and? Actually, it's another version that says also idolatry. Let it not be named among you as fitting for saints. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. Why? Because giving of thanks makes you look back at what God has done. See, covetousness is when I'm in the current, I see what somebody else has, and I say, man, I should have that. So what, what's happening? What's happening is I'm no longer saying thanks to God. I'm actually looking at others and saying, I ought to have that. How come I don't have that? <laughs> and, and so the covetousness is, is robbing me of the ability to look back and say, thank you, God, for what you've done. And I know you're going to do for me in the future. Amen? Amen? So the common thread through all of these, quote, sins that he lays out here is that they're robbing you of the ability to be thankful for God for what he's already done. Amen? Come on, I'm trying to stretch your mind. I'm trying to stretch your thinking here. Verse 5, For this you know, that no fornicator, unclean person, covetous man, who is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. And again, we read this and we start, our mind goes to condemnation and we're trying to count who gets condemned when that's not the subject here. The subject here is that we're supposed to be imitators of God. And if these things reign in us, it will stop you from imitating God. Because what you'll be doing is you'll just be manifesting flesh. And your flesh will author where you go next. As opposed to being thankful to God and staying in the spirit and letting God then author a new way going forward. Amen? Amen. I used to read the Bible and I said, all the sins. I just need to not sin. I got to not sin. I got to not... You know what? Stop figuring out how you will not sin and start trying to be an imitator of God. Amen. 
<laughs> if you start to stop, you get your mind off what you're not supposed to do, then you can focus on what is God calling you to, and you can actually go there instead of standing on the brink of sin trying to figure out how not to fall in the, in the hole. You need to back up from the sin. <laughs> then look and say, oh, it's a road around this. Okay, praise the Lord. I don't have to fall in there. <laughs> Amen. That's how I learned how to overcome sin. Because all I knew is I got to resist, 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 resist. But you know what? You submit to God first. Then when you resist the devil, it's easy. Because God's going to show you a new way. <laughs> if this carpet is sin. Oh, man. I'm going to get to the other side. Oh, oh, I fell in again. Wait, I got to get to the other side. I can't. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, you got to stop. The only way I'm getting through is I got to go through, right? No, go around it. <laughs> there, there's, it's not covering the whole floor. Go around it. <laughs> the grace of God takes me around it. I never even have to step inside. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Amen. Say yes to God. Look at this. Verse 5. For you know no fornicator, unclean person, or covetous man who's an idolater any inherit, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Why? Because you keep getting robbed of your inheritance. We get robbed of our inheritance when the enemy tries to get us off of what God has called us to. Amen? Look at this, verse 6. Let no one deceive you with empty words. Empty words are, did God say, don't eat this fruit? God knows the day you eat it, you're going to become like him. Those are empty words. God already spoke. God already left a promise. I don't need a, a scaly interpreter. To interpret what God said for me. Amen. I, I, don't, I don't need an interpreter who doesn't have legs to tell me how to walk with God. Amen. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't need somebody who wasn't there with me and God telling me what God said. Amen. Especially. Anyway, I mean, all right, never mind. Right, here we go. <laughs> Amen. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. So the reason that God, God is viewed as an adversary is because of the sin Adam fell into. That's why God's viewed as, an, as, as being an enemy with us. But when, what it is, God said, no, I came to redeem you. I'm sending Christ to redeem you so that we're not adversaries. Hallelujah. Verse 7. Therefore, don't be partakers with them. For you were once darkness, but now you're light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Walking as a child of light means you're walking in the love of God. And if you can walk in love, walk in love with God moment to moment, then you're going to see the moments before you start to be authored into God's will. Amen? Verse 9. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. Providing what is acceptable to the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfaithful works, unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. 
For shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all these things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore he says, Awake, you who sleep. Arise from the dead and Christ will give you light. See then, and here's where you need to understand. See then that you walk circumspectly. Not as fools, but as wise. Redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. When I first gave my life to Jesus, I had to get my mind renewed. Because I was carrying a lot of religious tradition from a lot of places. I had my father's Kojic philosophy that he tossed out there. I had my stepfather's Methodist philosophy that he threw out there. I had my stepmother's Catholic stuff. I had my mother's Baptist stuff. And then I had the Lutheran school stuff that they sent me to the Lutheran school to learn. And then when I went to the Catholic high school, they just said, you know what, just, just do whatever you want to do. By the time I graduated from high school, I said, I am an atheist. <laughs> Amen. But the word here says, do not be under, unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And sometimes in religion, and as talking to you, I got lured into this conversation, and at a certain point, the conversation the gentleman that I was talking, one of the gentlemen I was talking to, he says to me, he said, this is the problem I got with church. He said, the problem I got with church is the incongruency between the word of God and how the church lives. And then he broke, he broke down some words I'm not, going, I'm not going to mention, not because they were bad, but just because I'll have to explain them all and we'll be here all afternoon. But he basically said that the Bible has a very clear message. But in America, the message has been watered down by the culture that we live in. And so our propagation of the gospel has more of the American culture on it than it does the Word of God sometimes. And in some cases, our churches have become places where uh, our major driver is whether or not we fall into one political camp or another political camp. And if you love people, you must be a liberal. And if you're legalistic, then you're a Republican. And we got all this, no, I, I'm a Christian. And just because somebody's a Republican doesn't mean they speak for me. And just because somebody's liberal and I'm black don't mean you speak for me either. <laughs> I speak this because I've learned that my moments are not based on whether I was Republican or not. <laughs> my moments weren't based on whether I was liberal or not because the people who embraced me as a liberal got mad when they found out I was a, I was a minister. <laughs> you believe the gospel? You must be a... Oh, well, this ain't... A, what? <laughs> And then on the other side, people embrace me for something. And then if I, if I raise a flag with 
green and red on it. And it's like, oh, oh you one of those? <laughs> yes, my people are from Cameroon. I'm one of those. Anyway. Understand what the will of the Lord is. The will of the Lord is that God's people get into his word. Find out what he says. And moment by moment, we make godly decisions. Moment by moment, we make decisions not on what we feel, but what does the word say about a situation? Moment by moment, we don't make decisions by how I'm going to get back at this person. How I'm going to do this. How I'm going to get revenge. How I'm gonna, no, we make our decisions by what does God say about a circumstance. And when we make those decisions, we understand that God with those decisions is going before us. He's making his will be brought to pass. He's making his will allow us to redeem what it looks like we lost. Amen? Yeah. Amen. I, I, when I got out of high school, I didn't go to college. I went to college for a minute. And I said, no, I'm going to join the Marine Corps. Dropped out of college. Joined the military. Now I was in the military. And then I came home. And what's next? I don't know. Got a job. Just got, a, just got a job. What job? Just a job. <laughs> it wasn't, wasn't no career. I got, just got a job. I need a job, man. I got a job. And I worked another job and another job. Then I had three jobs. And I had this job and that job. And now I'm going to be an entrepreneur. Now I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do everything. I'm trying to do this. <laughs> I was unwise. Because never once did I really allow God to tell me what his will was. Because I couldn't get to his will because I didn't believe in God. And so because I didn't believe in God, I couldn't find out what his will is. And so I drifted here and there and here and there. And I kept doing this and doing that and trying to figure things out. And then when God finally showed me where I'm supposed to be, what did he do? He redeemed the time for me. <laughs> he redeemed the time for me. I told you, I, I was a junior in college for 17 years. <laughs> 17 years. <laughs> Pastor Reggie, I kept going there. Hey, I went to school. <laughs> 17 years, man. <laughs> but God then allowed me to redeem that time. And he put me where I was supposed to be. And when I was supposed, where I was supposed to be, time didn't make a difference anymore. Time didn't make a difference. He just moved me where I was supposed to be. Why? Because he loves his people. And that's what he does for all of us. He will redeem our time if we give him our time. If we hand it over to him, say, God, this is your time, not my time. He will redeem your time. He will know the days are evil. He knows that we've been deceived by some things. He knows we've fallen into some things. He knows we haven't been perfect. God already knows that about us. And he still says, I love you so much, I'm going to redeem your time. You just get in the boat with me. You let me help you redeem this time, and I'll redeem it and bring it all to pass. Amen? Somebody say, now's my time. Hallelujah. If you got stuff been stolen from you, taken from you, or you lost things, guess what? Say, thank you, Father. Thank you for redeeming the time. Hallelujah. I make a decision right now. I'm agreeing with you that you redeem my time and that whatever's been stolen is going to be restored to me in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Whatever's been stolen, it can be redeemed. Look at this. Therefore, do not be unwise. And understand what the will of the Lord is. I'm going to stop right there. I can't go further. But I want you to know this. The biggest thing I want you to grasp and to understand is there is nothing the enemy's taken from you that God can't restore. 
There is nothing the enemy taken from you that he cannot restore. <laughs> I was asked a question the other night, and I answered the question. I thought about it. I went home, and the Lord said, that was weak. <laughs> I'm like, what, Lord? He said, that was weak. <laughs> he said, you made a confession of something, and it's not correct. I said, oh, man. He said, rewind the tape, look back and think. And so I thought about it and I said, Lord, I'm sorry. You're correct. You're right. I asked for something and you did it for me. You redeemed it. And I, I forgot to confess that you redeemed it. I forgot to thank you for what you redeemed. Lord, I thank you for what you redeemed that I didn't keep in the forefront of my mind. And I thank you, Lord, because you redeemed it. Lord, I'm going to give you praise and thank you for it. Thank you for what you're doing for me. Thank you for what you've done in the past. I thank you right now, Lord, that not only that, but now you're making me live in that redemption. Hallelujah. Redemption I didn't earn or deserve. Redemption that you, you brought forth for me. And I said, oh, man, Lord, I forgot about that. He said, you remember this? I said, oh, I forgot about that. Oh, man. Oh, man. But you know what? God said, that's okay. I know you forgot, but I haven't forgot about you. Amen. <laughs> Amen. I, you might have forgot about me, son, but I, I remember you. Hallelujah. God remembers your name. Hallelujah. God knows who you are, and God is committed to blessing your life. Amen. Hallelujah. He's committed to making sure that you understand that he's a provider. He, he sets things in motion for you, things you don't even realize. He needs us to get in agreement with what he said so then he can bring to pass the things that we say. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Let's stand on our feet and let's, let's worship the Lord for what he's done in our past already. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is how you're going to capture your moment. You're going to capture your moment by beginning today to consider every moment from the vantage point of love. God has done something in all of our lives, and that is this. He's orchestrated our lives through Christ with three things in mind. Number one, God has given us a way to go forward. There's a way. He's made a way for us to go forward. That way we refer to sometimes as a strategy. The second thing God does is that he comes in and he redesigns us. He redesigns us so that we have what it takes to go forward. And then the third thing God does is he builds a culture around us. And the culture becomes the behaviors, the things that we think about, and the things that, that actually empower us to go forward. So in order to move from where you are to wherever God's trying to take you, number one, there has to be a way. Number two, there has to be equipping. And number three, there has to be a motivator. That culture is what motivates us to go forward. So what did Jesus do? Jesus said, number one, I want to paint a picture for you. Here is the kingdom. He said, and in this kingdom... 
I've come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. He said, in this kingdom, the rulers of the kingdom, they don't lord over others. They actually serve others. He said, look at this kingdom. This kingdom, the lame walk. Those that are in bondage, they go free. The people who are suffering, they suffer no more in this kingdom. And then after painting that picture, he says, follow me. And I'm going to make you fishers of men. If you follow me, then what I'm going to do is I'm going to show you how you're going to take all these people and help them enter that kingdom that we talked about. And then he says, guess what? I'm going to show you how you're going to do it. He said, you know what? He said, this is how men are going to know you're my disciples. Because you take the love that I have for you and you pour it out on them. And by this, men will know that you're my disciples because you have love one for another. They're going to see that love and they're going to know, wow, something's different here. Hallelujah. My prayer for you today is this. Is that number one, you embrace that love of God. Number two, that you allow God to paint a picture for you going forward. How do you move from where you are to the next place? And who can you take with you? And number three, that you receive this word that's empowering you to say, you know what? No matter what happened in the past, look back and see God's hand back there so you know he can take you to the future. Amen. Let's lift our hands. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for the kindness. We thank you that your word says that you came to give us life and that more abundantly. We thank you, Lord, that we don't have to wait till tomorrow, but the Kairos decision we make right now is the decision to walk with you and see you move us to the new place. We thank you right now as we make a decision in this moment, Lord, to give our all to you, to say yes to you right now, Lord God, that you're already authoring the living way before our faces. And though a thousand may fall at our side and 10,000 at our right hand, it will not come near us. Only with our eyes will we see the reward of the wicked. But we will dwell in the secret place of the Most High. And in this secret place, Lord, we make decisions for you that are opening doors of blessing, not only for us, but that others may come to us and eat of the fruit that comes off of us. We thank you for every person here being made so productive, Lord. Lord, may the fruit that comes from their lives be so abundant, Lord, that they begin to bend at the weight of the fruit on their lives. Lord, we thank you right now that the fruit on every person here, Lord, be so substantial, Lord, that people have to continue to come to them. And Lord, they continue to direct them to you. So we thank you, Lord, for supernaturally doing supernatural things among your people. We thank you, Lord, for supernatural blessing on us. Lord, every heart right now that is heavy, Lord, during this holiday season, we thank you, Lord, that you allow us to look back and see how you blessed us in the past. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you right now for encouraging us right now. We bind every spirit of fear that would try to cause us to draw back, and we release the spirit of confidence in God. Hallelujah, that God is with us and he's able to do exceedingly and abundantly above what we can ask or think about according to this Holy Spirit that's moving, working on the inside of us right now. We thank you, Lord, for overshadowing joy 
The joy of the Lord will be our strength during this holiday season. We will give you thanks and praise. Hallelujah. And for those that have gone before us, we will remember them in the blessing. Hallelujah. And not in the curse of loss. Hallelujah. We thank you right now. The decisions made in the past are authoring new things for us in the future. And we give you praise and glory for these things right now in Jesus' name. If you believe that, let's say amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to today's message titled Say Yes, Part 4, which is Kairos Moments. For more information about Abundant Life Worship Center, we want you to feel free to check out our website at AbundantLifeWorship.net. And on our site, you're going to find a lot of interesting things, including information about us, our church and events calendars and other messages that may be of interest to you. Once again, our site is AbundantLifeWorship.net. Now, you can also find us on our Facebook page at Facebook.com slash AbundantLifeWorship.net, and we look forward to seeing you there. God bless, and we thank you for joining us on this podcast. And until next time, remember that Jesus came to give you life, and that more abundantly.